Book Seven, Chapter Eleven of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla, or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney, Chapter Eleven, Ease and Freedom. Linmer at tea-time returned from his ride with a fixed plan of frightening or disgusting the baronet from the alliance. With Eugenia herself, he imagined the attempt would be vain, for he did not conceive it possible any woman who had eyes could be induced to reject him. Determined, therefore, to indulge in full both the natural presumption and acquired luxuriance of his character, he conducted himself in a manner that to anything short of the partiality of Sir Hugh would have rendered him insupportably offensive. But Sir Hugh had so long cherished a reverence for what he had himself ordered with regard to his studies, and what he implicitly recredited of his attainments, that it was more easy to him to doubt his senses than to suppose so accomplished a scholar could do anything but what was right your horses are worth nothing sir cried he in entering i never rode so unpleasant a beast i don't know who has the care of your stud but whoever it is he deserves to be hanged sir you could not refuse either to his justice or his kindness to vindicate his faithful jacob and for his horses he made as many excuses as if every one had been a human creature whom he was recommending to his mercy with a fear they were unworthy of his favour not a word was said more except what miss margland from time to time extorted by begging questions in praise of her tea till lindmer violently ringing the bell called out to order a fire everybody was surprised at this liberty without any previous demand of permission from the baronet or any inquiry into the feelings of the rest of the company and sir hugh in a low voice said to eugenia i'm a little afraid poor mary will be rather out of humour to have the grate to polish again to-morrow in the case my nephew should not like to have another fire then which i suppose if the weather continues so hot may very likely not be agreeable to him another pause now ensued dr marchmont who of the whole party was alone at this time capable of leading to a general conversation was separately occupied by watching camilla while himself as usual was curiously and unremittingly examined by dr orkborn in whom so much attention to a young lady raised many private doubts of the justice of his scholastic fame which soon by what he observed of his civility even to miss margland were confirmed nearly to scepticism mary now entering with a coal scuttle and a candle lindmere with much displeasure called out bring wood i hate coals mary as much displeased and nearly as much humoured as himself answered that nothing but coals were ever burnt in that grate take it all away then and bid my man send me a pelis that i made to cross the alps in i am very sorry indeed nephew said sir hugh that we were not better prepared for your being so chilly 
owing to the weather being set in so sultry that we none of us much thought of having a fire and indeed in my young time we were never allowed thinking of such things before michaelmas day which i suppose is quite behind hand now pray nephew if it is not too much trouble to you what's the day for lighting fires in foreign parts there's no rule of that sort now sir in modern philosophy that kind of thing's completely out entirely exploded i give you my word well everything's new lord help me since i was born but i pray nephew if i may ask without tiring you too much on account of my ignorance have they fires in summer as well as winter there do you imagine there are grates and fires on the continent sir the same as in england ha ha sir hugh was discountenanced from any further inquiry another silence ensued broken again by a vehement ringing of the bell when the servant appeared what have you got cried lindmere that you can bring me to eat eat nephew why you would not eat before supper when here's nobody done tea not that i'd have you balk your appetite which to be sure ought to be the best judge the youth ordered some oysters there were none in the house he desired a barrel might immediately be procured he could eat nothing else still edgar though frequent opportunities occurred had no fortitude to address camilla and no spirits to speak to her however his dejection was a revival she read in it her power and hoped her present plan would finally confirm it a servant now came in announcing a person who had brought two letters one for sir hugh the other for miss camilla but who said he would deliver them himself the baronet desired he might be admitted several minutes passed and he did not appear the wonder of sir hugh was awakened for his letter but camilla dreading a billet from sir sedley was in no haste lindmere however glad of an opportunity to issue orders or make disturbance furiously rang the bell saying where are these letters jacob said the baronet my nephew don't mean the slowness to be any fault of yours it being what you can't help only tell the person that brought us our letters we should be glad to look at them not knowing who they may be from why he seems but an odd sort of fish sir i can't much make him out he's been begging some floor to put in his hair he'll make himself so spruce he says we shan't know him again i can't much think he's a gentleman he then however added he had made a mistake as there was no letter for his master but one for miss camilla and the other for miss margland for me exclaimed miss margland breaking forth from a scornful silence during which her underlip had been busy to express her contempt of the curiosity excited upon this subject why how dare they not tell me it was for me it may be from somebody of consequence about something of importance and here's a half day lost before i can see it she then rose to go in search of it herself but opened the door upon mr dubster a ghost could she have persuaded herself she had seen one could not more have astonished though it would more dismayed her she drew haughtily back saying is there nobody else come the servant answered in the negative and she retreated to her chair camilla alone was not perplexed by this sight 
she had already from the description suggested whom she might expect according to the intimation given by the ever mischievous lionel miss margland concluding he would turn out to be some broken tradesman prepared herself to expect that the letter was a petition and watched for an opportunity to steal out of the room mr dubster made two or three low bows while he had his hand upon the door and two or three more when he had shut it he then cast his eyes round the room and espying camilla with a leering sort of smile said oh you're there ma'am i should find you out in a hundred i've got a letter for you ma'am and another for the gentlewoman i took for your mamma and i was not much out in my guess for there's no great difference as one may say between a mamma and a governess only the mother's the more natural like he then presented her a letter which she hastily put up not daring to venture at a public perusal lest it might contain not merely something ludicrous concerning mr dubster to which she was fully indifferent but allusions to sir sedley clarendel which in the actual situation of things might be fatally unseasonable and now said mr dubster i must give up my other letter asking the gentlewoman's pardon for not giving it before only i was willing to give the young lady hers first young ladies being apt to be more in a hurry than people a little in years this address did not much add to the benevolent eagerness of miss margland to read the epistle and endeavouring to decline accepting it really she said unless i know what it's about i'm not much used to receiving letters in that manner as to what it's about cried he with a half-suppressed simper and nodding his head on one side that's a bit of secret as you'll see when you've read it indeed good man i wish you very well but as to reading all the letters that everybody brings one it requires more time than i can pretend to have to spare upon every trifling occasion she would then have retired but mr dubster stopping her said why if you don't read it ma'am nobody'll be never the wiser for what i come about for it's ungain like to speak for oneself and the young gentleman said he'd write to you because he said you'd like it the best the young gentleman what young gentleman young squire tyrold he said you'd be as pleased as anything to tell it to the old gentleman yourself for you was vast fond he said of matrimony matrimony what have i to do with matrimony cried miss margland reddening and bridling if it's any vulgar trick of that kind that mr lionel is amusing himself with i am not quite the right sort of person to be so played upon and i desire mister you'll take care how you come to me any more upon such errands lest you meet with your proper deserts dear heart i'm not going to offer anything uncivil as to matrimony it's no great joke to a man when once he's made his way in the world it's more an affair of your ladies by half of us upon my word this is a compliment rather higher than i expected mr lionel may find however i have friends who will resent such impertinence if he imagines he may send who he will to me with proposals of this sort look ma'am you need not be in such a fright for nothing 
However, there's your letter, ma'am, putting it upon the table, and when you are in better cue, I suppose you'll read it. Then, advancing to Camilla, Now, ma'am, let's you and I have a little talk together, but first, by good rights, I ought to speak to your uncle, only I don't know which he is. Twill be mortal kind if you'll help a body out. Sir Hugh was going to answer for himself, when Lynmere, fatigued with so long a scene in which he had no share, had recourse to his friend the bell, calling out, at the same time, in a voice of impatience, "'No oysters yet!' Sir Hugh now began to grow unhappy for his servants. For himself he not only could bear anything, but still concluded he had nothing to bear. But his domestics began all to wear long faces and, accustomed to see them happy, he was heard to observe the change. No partiality to his nephew could disguise to him that, long used to every possible indulgence, it was vain to hope they would submit without murmuring to so new a bondage of continual and peremptory commands. Instead of attending, therefore, to Mr. Dubster, he considered what apology to offer to Jacob, who, suspecting by whom he was summoned, did not make his appearance till Linmer rung again. "'Where are these oysters?' he then demanded. "'Have you been eating them?' "'No, sir,' answered he surly. "'We're not so sharp-set. We live in old England. We don't come from outlandish countries.' This true yon bullism Linmer had neither sense to despise nor humour to laugh at and seriously in a rage called out sirrah i'll break your bones and lifted up his riding switch with which as well as his boots he had re-entered the parlour the lord be good unto me cried sir hugh what new ways are got into the world but don't take it to heart jacob for as to breaking your bones after all your long services it's a thing i shan't consent to which i hope my nephew won't take ill Affronted with the master, and enraged with the man, Linmere strummed petulantly up and down the room, with loud and marked steps that called, or at least disturbed, the attention of every one, exclaiming at every turning, A confounded country, this! A villainous country! Nothing to be had in it! I don't know what in the world to think of that there's any chance I can get! Sir Hugh, recovering, said he was sorry he was so badly off, and desired Jacob not to fail procuring oysters, if they were to be had within a mile. "'A mile! Ten miles! Say ten miles round!' cried Linmere. "'Or you do nothing. What's ten miles for a thing of that sort?' Ten miles, nephew? What? At this time of night? Why, you don't think, with all your travelling, that when they've got ten miles there— they'll have ten miles to come back and that makes count twenty well sir and suppose it was forty what have such fellows to do better sir hugh blessed himself and mr dubster said to camilla so ma'am why you don't read your letter neither no more than the gentlewoman however i think you may as well see a little what's in it though i suppose no great matters being from a lady a lady what lady cried she and eagerly taking it from her pocket saw the handwriting of mrs burlington and inquired how it came into his possession 
he answered that happening to meet the lady's footman whom he had known something of while in business as he was going to put it to the post he told him he was coming to the very house and so took it to bring himself the man being rather in a hurry to go another way so i thought to us as well ma'am he added to save you the postage for as to a day or so sooner or later i suppose it can break no great squares in your lady's letter writing camilla hastily running it over found it contained a most pressing repetition of invitation from mrs burlington for the southampton plan and information that she should make a little circuit to call and take her up at cleves if not immediately forbidden the time she named for her arrival though four days distant from the date of her letter would be now the following morning this seemed to the agitated spirits of camilla an inviting opening to her scheme she gave the letter to her uncle saying in a fluttered manner she should be happy to accompany mrs burlington for a few days if her father should not disapprove the excursion and if he could himself have the goodness to spare one of the carriages to fetch her home as southampton was but sixteen miles off while sir hugh amazed at this request yet always unable to pronounce a negative to what she desired stammered edgar abruptly took leave thunderstruck by his departure she looked affrighted after him with a sigh impossible to repress she now first weighed the hazard of what she was doing the deep game she was inconsiderately playing would it sunder would it unite them tears started into her eyes at the doubt she did not hear her uncle's answer she rose to hurry out of the room but before she could escape the big drops rolled fast down her cheeks and when arrived at her chamber i have lost him she cried by my own unreflecting precipitance i have lost him perhaps for ever dr marchmont now also took leave mr dubster desired he might speak with the baronet the next morning and the family remained alone End of chapter 11 Read by Lars Rolander